There were many things Prime Minister Narendra Modi said about the Congress in his speeches in the Lok Sabha and the Rajya Sabha uh, this week. But the unkindest cut, I think, was probably his appreciation of the opposition party's resolve to remain in the opposition for a long time. He said, in the next election, you will reach greater heights. You will sit in the visitor's gallery. There was nothing new about the Prime Minister mocking at the opposition in Parliament. He often does. What was different this time was that he was not sounding bitter or angry. He seemed to be enjoying at the cost of the Congress, almost celebrating his success in the next election in, in advance. So what is it about the Congress that makes the Prime Minister so confident that he sees his party winning at least 370 seats? It was also evident from the total absence of populism in the election year budget. What might also have boosted his confidence is the way the opposition seems to have given up. See how the opposition alliance, India, has disintegrated with every constituent deciding to guard its own turf in the states. Giving, on, giving up on its uh, oust Modi agenda for now. Look at Rahul Gandhi's Bharat Jodo Nya Yatra. If you look at it as an objective political observer, you may find fault with so many things. The Yatra's timing, its route and the theme too. How can the commander go on his own trip in the middle of the war? Away from the main battle zone, leaving his soldiers to fend for themselves. When Ayodhya Ram Temple, Uniform Civil Code and Puja at the Southern Cellar of the Ganwapi Mosque are shaping the electoral battle lines, Gandhi is talking about caste census and social justice, something that failed the Congress in the recent assembly polls. You can blame it on lack of political imagination, but you also get a sense that the Congress is either blissfully unaware of how the BJP is setting up the contours of the poll battle or has chosen to live to fight another day, maybe in 2029. When you talk to Congress leaders, there is a sense of resignation. What can we do when Modi remains at the peak of his popularity? When the people are swayed by the BJP's majoritarianism and when voters don't know what is good or bad for them. These are not my words. I'm just quoting, like summing up my interactions with Congress leaders. What makes them all the more helpless is the fact that they do not, they do have some ideas as to how to fight the BJP, but there are no takers in the party. Rahul Gandhi would rather listen to a small coterie of former comrades from JNU and those who are making a fortune out of their alleged loyalty to the Gandhis. So what I am going to do in this episode of Politically Correct is to put together the ideas of these Congress loyalists, mind you, I am not saying family loyalists, as to how to revive the Congress. It may be a bit late for 2024, but it's never too late to start. As per these Congress loyalists, there are at least eight things Rahul Gandhi can do, but he will not. First, don't wait for Prime Minister Modi to hang up his boots. Nobody can say whether it will happen in 2029 or 2034 or even later, who knows. Besides, the BJP won't suddenly become brittle after Modi takes a bow. Not because there is a long line of mass leaders and political successors like Yogi Aitanath, but because the party has built four solid, durable pillars of strength. Thanks to PM Modi, as uh, poll strategist Prashant Kishore told me in an interview on Sunday. And these four pillars are Hindutva, nationalism, 
लाभार्थी और बेनिफिशियरीज ऑफ वेलफेयर स्कीम्स एंड फाइनेंशियल मशल वन कैन बट एग्री विद पी के दीज पिलर्स विल स्टैंड द बीजेपी इन गुड स्टेड इवन पोस्ट मोदी सेकेंड कांग्रेस लीडर्स एंड द रैंक एंड फाइल मस्ट स्टार्ट वर्किंग फॉर द पार्टी नॉट फॉर द गांधीज एक्सक्लूसिवली दे आर फोकस्ड ऑन राहुल गांधीज इमेज मेक ओवर जेट अगेन from an angry young man in 2013-14 who ran down his own party's prime minister by debunking his government's ordinance a self-styled anti-corruption crusader with chokidar chor has slogan in 2018-19 to a merchant of love in 2023-24 this is not to suggest that congress leaders should abandon the gandhis which they can't in the foreseeable future anyway This is to point out that Indira Gandhi was the last in the Congress to attain a cult status. The BJP has had so many in the meantime, and new ones are emerging. What I am driving at is the need to focus on the Congress's weaknesses and their strengths, not the Gandhis. The two being synonymous today is a problem. Third, it's good for the Congress that India, the opposition grouping, is disintegrating. It should stop hanging on. to others coattails to survive most if not all of these parties ate into the congress vote bank to become what they have become today ignore their anti bjp anti modi pronouncements they are still looking to grow at the congress's expense for instance mamta banerjee was claiming to be generous by offering two seats in malda malda north and malda south to the congress uh, for an alliance in west bengal what she did not say was that the offer did not include behrampur seat which has been held by congress party adhir ranjan choudhary since 1999 it's along similar lines that other india constituents are negotiating with the congress the party must stop looking for survival by tying up with regional parties its footprints have only been shrinking in one state after another due to these alliances the congress needs to reverse the process if it wants to take on the bjp fourth learn from the rss instead of vilifying it all the time rahul gandhi has made it his mission to fight against modi as an individual and the rss as an organization or so it seems from his speeches gandhi obviously hates the rss ideology but making it a center point of his politics is not exactly clever he ends up advertising the rss he may or may not have a point about its alleged acts of omission and commission today or in the past but he should do a reality check is it fetching any additional votes for the congress for all we know it may be alienating people who may be beneficiaries or sympathizers of the rss due to its socio cultural programs but who may not necessarily be bjp voters the congress should rather learn from the rss how to reach out to the people and how to be a part of their day to day life ideological indoctrination comes much later instead of ranting against the rss it would serve the congress a great deal if it floats a similar organization to work at the grassroots for the social cultural economic uplift of the people it has to start with the this banding of the seva dal which has gone beyond redemption fifth political convenience or opportunism is not an ideology it must have clarity about 
where it stands. Facing charges of uh, pursuing minority appeasement, the Congress is playing twister. It opposed the CAA law, Citizenship Amendment law, but the Gandhis would not join Shaheen Bagh protesters just a few kilometers from their Latin's Delhi home. The party's top leadership boycotted the Ram Lala's consecration ceremony, calling it an electoral project. But they lacked the courage of conviction to instruct other party leaders to follow the same. Such ideological ambiguity impresses neither the Hindus nor the Muslims. The appeasement tag won't go away just with Gandhi visiting temples and trying to become a bigger Hindu. This love versus hate narrative is like preaching to the converted, the left liberal intelligentsia. The BJP has enough propaganda machinery to convert it into another Muslim appeasement campaign. To go beyond its ecosystem, the Congress needs to be an unapologetic secular liberal entity. For instance, they should have gone to Bilkis Bano's house and also to that of Udaipur Taylor Kanhiyalal, who was hacked to death by two Muslim men. Staying away from both sides impresses neither. Sixth, the Congress must learn the language to communicate. Rhetorical speeches about poverty, inequality, unemployment and inflation are not good enough. People have been hearing them since independence. The party needs to go to the people with an alternative policy framework. Not unemployment alliances and nai-like doles. It has to spell out how it can do better. Don't just criticize the new criminal laws, saying that they would unleash draconian powers and impede citizens' rights. That they were bulldozed through parliament. Unless you tell the people how they are draconian and why they affect their day-to-day -day lives, nobody would bother to listen. To give an example, the party could have hit the streets to tell the people in towns and villages why they should be worried about the increase in police custody, custody period from 15 days to 60 or 90 days. Rahul Gandhi keeps talking about increasing uh, government control over institutions, but he had nothing to say when the government introduced the IAM uh, Amendment Bill 2023 that would enable the government to have total control over IAM boards and directors. There are so many other examples. Every bill that the government gets through parliament can be a potential talking point for the opposition because every bill concerns a section of the people, if not all, one way or the other. Have you heard Rahul Gandhi ever telling the people how a particular bill or a particular government policy is not in their interest and what changes the opposition wants in them and why? That's how you reach out to people, by talking about their specific interests, not by talking in jargons about institutional integrity and democratic backsliding. Seventh, don't make politics and elections a battle of ideologies, as Rahul Gandhi says. It's a battle for power. He may have a vision, but it serves no objective without power. His projection of an ideologue with detachment from power is rather a dampener for those who would want their votes to matter. Eight, and in my view most importantly, try to understand today's voters. They are optimistic and aspirational and have a high opinion about their place in the world. Don't go about telling the world how Indian democracy is under threat. Fight it from within if it is that bad and fight on the streets, not on the social media. Similarly, 
social justice politics. It worked in 70s, 80s, 90s. There is a whole new generation of Indian voters now. Don't offer caste census as a solution to their problems. You may end up alienating most of them. And if at all it finds resonance among a section of the OBCs, those who are numerically stronger, say uh, the others, they will rally behind their representative parties like the SP or the RJD, not the Congress. And the Congress will end up strengthening those parties who are responsible for the end of its political domination. I know there is one question everybody always has in mind. How can the Congress take on the BJP without a blueprint for organizational revival? Of course, the most difficult part, born out of a mass movement, the Congress never had a cadre. It's especially difficult to build one now. Who will join when the party is on a continuous slide? And for what? Anti-Modism. Because it offers nothing else right now. That's why the Congress should first, uh, Congress first needs to emerge as a credible opposition voice with the potential to replace the BJP as the ruling party. Once the people start believing in the Congress, it won't be difficult to rebuild the organization from the booth to the top levels. But first, make people believe in what the Congress stands for and why they should vote for, vote for, for the party. It may sound like a chicken and egg situation, but it's not. That's all from me in this episode of Political Correct. Thanks for watching.